Hey, we believe these words that we're saying. We believe that our God is the God of the impossible. We believe that our God hears and answers our prayers. Isn't that so amazing that our God is a God who is close, that our God is a God who said, I am Emmanuel. I am God with you, that he is not a distant being way off far away that he is close and that he is here and that he is the God of the impossible. Amen. Well, we're going to continue to worship him this morning as we invite his presence here. Lord, we love you and we thank you, God, that you can do miracles, that you answer prayers. And Lord, most importantly, that you can change a hard heart and that you can turn it into soft flesh you can make us alive and so we worship you today for the life and the freedom that we've been given in Jesus name we pray amen amen hallelujah let's sing this together who am I that the highest king would welcome I was lost but he brought Oh! 
want to remind you of something this morning, that there are a lot of voices out there that you can be listening to about your identity. But really, what's the most important voice? Whose is the most important voice? Is, the, is God, is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And what he would say of you this morning, that if you're in Christ, that you are his child loves you with an everlasting love, that he has forgiven you this morning, that he has chosen you this morning, that he has called you this morning, and that in all of our rottenness, right, sometimes we can just be so human, <laughs> sometimes in our sins and in our mistakes and in our mess-ups, God sees, he knows, and he still loves and the Bible says that it's God's kindness that leads us to repentance. That God is not here this morning to crack the whip or condemn you, but he's saying, I love you. You are my child. I love you and you're my child. Aren't those amazing words that God would say that of you today? So we're gonna sing this chorus again. It's just a simple chorus. Whom the son set free, he is free indeed. I'm a child of God. over us with those words that I am a child of God, that I'm chosen, that you are for me, you are not against me, or that you would have left the 99 to seek that which is lost. So Lord, we worship you today. We just we thank you, God, that you call us your children. Sing it again. I love you, Lord. 
to God, to seek, to knock, to ask. Like a little child climbing into Father's arms, prayer is an intimate and personal experience. It's about opening your heart to a loving God, a good Father, the one who truly knows you and truly loves you. Prayer is trusting Him with your worries and fears, your hopes and dreams, your needs and desires. It's about carrying all life's burdens, big and small, before the throne of God and resting in the limitless peace of His extravagant grace. So pray without ceasing. Pray for each other as you would pray for yourself and praise Him for his faithfulness because there is power in prayer. All right. Well, good morning, everyone. Aloha. Uh, so great to uh, be here with you guys, and um, we just want to say welcome. If this is your first time, uh, we just want to say welcome. Thank you so much just for sharing your worship experience with us. I know it's uh, a division uh, championships today, but it's all right. There's another game at 2.30, so relax. And there's this magical device that God created called DVR, which is digital video recording. But besides that, we're actually in the middle of our... Our series right now, it's called uh, 21, meaning that we're, we've dedicated 21 days, the beginning of the year, to prayer and fasting. We've actually delayed one week our anniversary so that we can just focus in on this time to pray and seek the face of God over our lives. And uh, in an attempt not to, uh, well, in an attempt to address the elephant in the room, you know, I, I do want to just uh, uh, start off this message that uh, I've, been a, I've been a pastor for like 17 years full time, and this is the first time in 17 years where I finished my sermon on a Friday and everything was good, and then on Saturday morning uh, during my devotions in, in fasting breakfast and seeking the face of God for this church, for this community, and for my own life, that the Lord kind of directed me into a new message. And so uh, with that, we're going to be talking, instead of going through Genesis, we will actually be, be in uh, Luke chapter 18. So would you open your Bibles to Luke uh, chapter 18, and we will be talking about the parable of uh, the beggar uh, in well, not the parable, but the story of the beggar on his way to Jericho, all right? And, uh, you know, this is a, a time for us to really seek and really uh, search after the heart of God. Um, how many of you guys have your New Year's resolutions, right? Well, I have the New Year's resolution, and my resolution, part of my resolution is to read two books a month. And so in preparation for this 21 days of prayer and fasting, I had two books. One was to target the mind, and the other book was to target the soul. So I'm, I read, I'm reading a book right now by a theologian, New Testament Anglican theologian. His name is uh, Graeme Goldsworthy out of Australia, and his book is 
prayer and the knowledge of God. And it's very deep and it's very insightful. So I want to have the right theology. But then I also want to have, have my soul be filled, not just a head knowledge, but I want my soul to draw close to God. So there's a spiritual advisor. Uh, they, they call them contemplative spiritual directors by Richard Foster and his book on prayer. So I got these two things. And as I was reading uh, yesterday, I realized that the problem is not why we don't pray. Is not because of having the right head knowledge. It's not having because of uh, the right desire, but of something else. It comes to the issue of pride. The reason why we don't pray is because we think we're okay. We've made it this far in life. Nothing too bad has happened to us. Our kids are okay. We're not, you know, we've gone through rough seas like everybody else, but we're relatively okay. We could be better, but not. We're not that bad. We're okay. And if I've gone through this far in my life without praying and without seeking God, then why pray? And it's this sense of pride that prevents us from fervency or persistency in prayer. So I want to talk to us about persistency and desperation in prayer. So in order for us to do that, could we all stand together just in reverence to God's word? And we'll read from Luke chapter 18 of the blind beggar in Jericho, verse 35. If you don't have your Bibles, it's on the screen if the screen is too far away, there's their notes, all right? And we'll be reading from the ESV version this morning. As he drew near to Jericho, meaning Jesus, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. And hearing a crowd going by, he inquired what this meant. And they told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. And he cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And those who were with and those who were in front of him rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and commanded him to be brought to him. And when he came near, he asked him, What do you want me to do for you? The beggar said, Lord, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, Recover your sight, your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him, glorifying God. And all the people, when they saw it, gave praise to God. This is the word of the Lord, let's pray. Father, we invite you right now, God, because we know that we, we do not pray like we ought to pray. I'm as guilty as anybody, Lord, that oftentimes we treat you like a fire extinguisher, break in case of emergency. But Lord, I pray right now that you would turn our hearts, oh God, that we, you would humble us, open our eyes, that we would see wonderful things from your law so that, Lord, that there would be a persistency, a obstinacy, there would be a desperation, Lord, in our prayers, that prayer would be our native tongue, that prayer would be the air that we breathe. As First Thessalonians says, pray without ceasing. 
that in all things that we would pray first, seek you first, seek your kingdom, and then all these things will be added unto us. So, Father, I pray that you would draw us close to you this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. So Luke chapter 18 starts off in verse 35. It concludes the, way, the same way it starts off, meaning that Jesus is talking about the importance of persistent prayer. Because the first, in Luke chapter 18, verse 1, it says that Jesus told them this parable for two reasons. One is that they pray always and they, ne they never lose heart. And so in order to have people always pray and never be discouraged, he tells them a parable of a widow. That how a widow, she was treat, treated unjustly. And day after day after day after day, she would go to this judge. Now, this judge was an atheist. He neither loved God nor, nor he respected people. But because this widow cried out day and night, day after day with persistency, grant me justice, grant me justice, grant me justice, then the, uh, the unrighteous judge says, you know what, this lady's going to bombard me with her request. I'm, all right, even though I don't respect God, I don't respect people, but I'll grant her request so she'll stop bugging me and she'll leave me alone. And, and after that, from this theoretical story about this persistent prayer, now Jesus, Luke records that he encounters a man on his way to Jericho. Now, there's three characters in this, par in this story or in this narrative. One is, of course, Jesus, right? You always answer with Jesus, just like in the children's ark or children's ministry. Who performed the miracles? Jesus. All right, so it's Jesus, the crowd, and this blind beggar. Now, what we see from here is that three times he requested what? If we could go to slide number four, recover my sight, Lord, let me recover my sight. Jesus said, recover your sight. Verse 43, immediately he recovered his sight. Now, this word recover my sight or recovering sight is the Greek word anablepo, which means to be able to see either for the first time or to be able to see again. Now, we all know that Luke, who wrote the Gospel of Luke, he is a physician, meaning that he is precise and he's detail-oriented. And Luke also wrote Acts. Now, twice in Acts, it talks about a leper, two separate instances, that there's a leper who, couldn't, who was lame and he couldn't walk since birth. In John chapter 9, verse 2, it talks about uh, a blind person who is blind since birth. But this beggar, recover my sight, recover my sight, recover my sight, and most of the time, not unless it explicitly states that they were blind since birth, this beggar who was blind at one time most likely had sight. This blind beggar at one time could probably see, he was probably able to uh, make a living for himself. He was able to, you know, uh, make income so that he would clothes on his back, food on the table, a shelter over his head. And for some reason, he 
lost his eyesight. Maybe it's cataract or, what, or maybe it was an accident. Whatever it may be, he was able to see before, but now he cannot see anymore. And he has reached a point of desperation. And oh, this, 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 this blind beggar was smart. So you know where he goes? He goes to Jericho. Now, Jericho was a pretty prominent town. It's about 12 miles from Jerusalem. So in Luke chapter 4 to Luke chapter 18, it, de- it describes Jesus' journey to Jerusalem. Now, Jericho, it was a well-off town. So if you're going to beg anywhere, it's a good idea to beg in Jericho, right? If trick-or-treating, if you're going to trick-or-treat and you're not going to attend our trunk-or-treat, there are many families who go to this church who don't participate in our trunk-or-treat because they want to do trick-or-treating in Kahala. It's okay. I forgive you in Jesus' name, all right? <laughs> Some of you guys go to Naakai. I understand. I don't play your hate. I congratulate. But what I am saying is this. This blind beggar who, was, who had at one time had sight, now he can't see. And now he's in this dire straits where he cannot live. He cannot survive. He has reached this desperate point in his life. And when he heard Jesus was in town, he calls out to him. And he calls him this messianic term, son of David, son of David. Now, I believe that the reason why we don't pray, it's not because of head knowledge. It's not because of the issue of the soul. It's an issue of the heart. We don't pray persistently because... We are not desperate. We are proud. Why pray if everything is all good? I live in Hawaii, nay. My family's health is okay. My finances are okay. I have 401k. I have a retirement. Everything's okay. And I made it to this point without praying. But why start praying now? And it becomes this issue of pride. So here's the main point for uh, this morning. Would you write this down? That genuine desperation produces persistency in prayer. That if you and I genuinely, like for real kind, experience desperation when we're in dire straits, that is what produces persistent prayer. Whether you're the widow in Luke chapter 18, verse 1, that you need justice, look, grant me justice, grant me justice. Or if you're this blind beggar who needs food, you reach the bottom of the barrel and you have nowhere else to go, nowhere else to turn to. You're so low at, at a point in your life, the only place to look is to look up. I believe this sense of desperation is a key to a fervent and persistent prayer life. And I, and I know our culture. I know the demographics on the east side of Honolulu. I know where we're at. Before we moved here 10 years ago, 
We were ministering in downtown Los Angeles to first-generation immigrant Filipinos. We were in a place called Historic Filipino Town where people who migrated from Philippines to move to have a better life, they, would, um, they couldn't afford to live in the suburbs, so they lived in the city close to work. And that is what we reached out to, the people, the kind of people that we reached out to. And I remember a song about 10, 15 years ago, the chorus goes like this, and I, I'm desperate for you, I'm lost without you. You can see why Bernays the singer of the family, all right? It's like, I'm never coming back to this church. Anyways, and um, when that song came out, man, the church was just, that we were at, they were just raising their hands, they were crying, yes, Lord, we're desperate for you. Why? Matthew 5 says, blessed are the poor in spirit. When I was college pastoring, one of the kids that I knew for seven years or so, since he was in elementary, went through middle school and high school, he graduated from high school and he was going to apply for colleges, but before applying to colleges, he wanted to um, get his driver's license. So he goes to the DMV applies for a driver's license, and they said, oh, your, your social security is invalid. I'm like, what? What do you mean social security? Your social security is not showing up like it's you. I'm like, what? He goes home, realizes he moved here when he was two years old. He's now 18, 16 years of his life. His parents never told him that he was an undocumented immigrant. He came here illegally. So, of course, he goes to church. Lord, I'm desperate for you. I don't even speak Tagalog. Why do, you, why do I need to go back? I'm living here illegally. What's going on? What should I do? I need you, oh, Jesus. And he just prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. Uh, about two years ago, he got married to a girl, and um, now he has American citizenship. <laughs> okay? Let's just put that to closure. There's, an, there's people at our church. Oh, the electricity came out. The water came out. We don't have any electricity at our home. Lord, Lord, we need you so much. I'm desperate for you. I'm lost without you. Now I can go instance after instance why people have a fervent prayer life, and it's because it's not a matter of the mind. It's not the matter of the soul. It's the matter of the heart that they've humbled themselves because they need the presence of God. They need the kingdom of God to come. They need the will of God to be done on earth as it is it's being done in heaven. Even as I'm speaking to you right now, like just the very thought, telling you come before God in the position of, the, of a beggar, and just the very thought of a beggar is uncomfortable to you. It's uncomfortable to us. Like if you're eating with your family and a beggar comes begging for food, you're like, ah, oh, okay, okay, just here, get some money just as long as you get out. Get out away from my presence. But yet it's in this position that God reaches and he answers the persistent prayer of this blind beggar. The crowd told him, shut up, be quiet, be quiet. Jesus doesn't have time for you. But even more, he cried out, what? Son of David, son of David, have mercy on me. Would you write this down? Number one, why should we pray persistently or fervently? Number one is that the kingdom of God is here now. 
the kingdom of God is here now. Earlier in Luke chapter 4, in verse 17, Jesus begins his public ministry, and this is what it says, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. So Jesus, he goes into the temple during the Sabbath, and he's like, okay, you're a teacher of the law, read something. So they gave him Isaiah, he unrolled the scroll, and he found the place where it was written, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me. The the word there of anointing means like set apart, like the anointed Messiah. Because he anointed me to proclaim good news to who? The poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. He's saying, hey, this is talking about the Messiah. He's going to do this great work of reaching the marginalized, the lost, the broken, the hurting. And he sits down. Let's look at verse 20. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, today... This scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Meaning that healing, restoration, wholeness comes now because the kingdom of God through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus is here now. The reason why we pray and contend for healing, we contend for restoration, we contend and pray for wholeness is because we're praying thy kingdom come. That God loves us so much, he doesn't want to wait till you and I die for, the, for us to experience the kingdom of heaven. He brought the kingdom of God through Jesus Christ down here on earth. That through Jesus A part of the salvation package is physical healing. I called my, I talked to my dad this week and we were just kind of talking and, you know, how are the boys? I'm like, the boys are good. You know, how's Rene? I'm like, it's Rene, dad. Okay. And they, oh, Rene sounds like a boy's name. Anyways, and we're just talking and, and as we were discussing, he goes, oh, what are you doing? How's church? I'm like, church is good. He goes, uh, we're doing this 21 days of prayer and fasting. I'm like, oh, he's like, oh, okay, well, that's very good. You know, uh, Sister Lib, Tita Lib, Librada is the Filipino name. Lib is her uh, nickname. You know, Auntie Lib, she uh, passed away last year. I'm like, oh, yeah? I'm like, oh, yeah, she was a faithful member of the church. He goes, yeah. But do you remember? 28 years ago, she went to the hospital complaining of stomach pains. She had stage four pancreatic cancer. She was given weeks to live. He said, me, this is my dad talking, and my other pastor friend, we got together and we fasted and we prayed for four days. Do you know what ended up happening on the fourth day? We're praying and fasting. Her sister called me I said, Pastor, are you guys still praying and fasting? Because uh, Lib, when she was taking a shower, there was just uh, just mass of blood just kind of dropped from her body. And she feels better. 
And she lived on for another 28 years, healed of cancer. Pancreatic cancer healed just like that. Why? Because the kingdom of God is here now. We're never going to reach this fervent prayer, prayer life until you and I become desperate. Why don't we pray? We have so many manuals on prayer. We have so many books on prayer. We have so many sermons on prayer. The problem of prayer or the practice of prayer is because it is a problem of pride. You think, oh, I'm a self-made man. God didn't help me pass the bar. God wasn't there to help me with my finals. God didn't open the business for me. God didn't do that. I did it. I am a self-made person. And that reeks and stenches of pride. And the reason why we don't pray is because we are proud people. Because why pray? Everything is pretty much... Fine, not knowing, not knowing that God in his goodness and his grace and his sovereignty has been pouring out his blessings upon your life. You know, Romans chapter 2 says that the kindness of God leads us to repentance, that the common grace of family, of health, of a job, of a home, of clothes on our back, the common grace with like, man, I... I don't deserve any of this, but it's been given to me. Man, there's a being that watches out for me. I could have gone to an accident, but it happened right in front of me, and I've been spared. It's like God has been kind. It's, it's that kindness of God that leads us to repentance. Not only the sovereignty of God to hold us together and to bless us, but could I say this too? That the presence of God prevents that God himself is holding back a demonic assignment upon your life. That the thief, the enemy of your soul has come to steal, to kill, to destroy. But God has held back. No, I want them to turn to me. I want them to seek after me in prayer. It's my goodness and my kindness that's going to change their hearts, change their minds. So we come before the Lord in desperation and we pray persistently because why? Because genuine desperation produces persistency in our prayers. Number two, we'll go ahead and close with this. What is a desperate faith? What is the desperate faith of a beggar? Would you write this down? The desperate faith of a beggar is one two sides of a coin, acknowledging my own inadequacy and the flip side of that, trusting in Jesus' sufficiency. That if we want this faith that would bring wholeness and that faith that made you well, we need to acknowledge how weak, how inadequate you and I are and we need to trust in Jesus' sufficiency. Let's close with verse 41, shall we? In verse 41, Luke chapter 18, Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? Let's pause there.
Do you see how God invites you into a relationship? Hey, what do you want me to do for you? Let me ask you something. Does Jesus know what we want before we even ask? Yes. Let me ask you something. Do you know what your kids want before they even ask? Yes. There's power. There's something, there's a dynamic that happens about vocally, audibly saying something from your heart to your mind, to your mouth, into words. Do you need to tell your children, I love you? They already know. Nah, you don't need to tell them I love you. They already know. Do you need to tell your husband or your wife, oh, I love you? No, I don't need to tell them because they already know. And oftentimes, that's how we approach prayer. Like, oh, I don't need God already knows. I had a silent prayer. I'm like, come on, bro, really? No. We need to audibly, Jesus asked this blind beggar, hey, what do you want me to do for you? You know, I love, we go through our prayer request. And this past week, we had a prayer request. We're praying and believing for a three-bedroom home, one-and-a-half bath with two parking stalls, somewhere in between here and town so that we could be closer to church. Ooh, I love it. I'm like, yes, Lord. Why? Because they were specific. Putting a fleece before God. Why, why do you say I love you to, your, to those who you love? They already know it because it's good for you. It's like, you know what? And even sometimes, okay, bye, I love you. Like today, my, yesterday, my son Judah is like, okay, bye, bye, that. All right, love you. And he's like, oh, I love that son. Yeah, I love him. That's my boy, right? And it just does something when we vocally or audibly say it. So Jesus says, hey, what do you want me to do for you? Here it is. He said, Lord, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, okay, you recover your sight and your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him, glorifying God. And all the people, when they saw it, they gave praise. Let me ask you, do you have the faith of a beggar before God? Or you think you're okay? Are you like, no, 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 God, I get him, I get him. You know, I, you, I don't need to pray, I get it, I, you know. You know, something, you guys, something so simple. You know, this last week, my 21-year-old 20 truck would it turn over and start? So I'm like, oh, psh, okay, that's easy. It's a starter. So I'll go on YouTube, how to replace a starter. I'm like, all right. I look through the forums, you know, take off all these things. I'm like, okay, go to Amazon. Just, okay, get a starter. I want the OEM, original equipment manufactured. I want that one, Denso. Yeah, psh, get that. It came. I'm like, all right, let's go. Let's get it done. So I just go. And it was supposed to be like a three-hour job. And then, you can see where this is going, right? It was supposed to be a three-hour job. I'm like, okay, three hours. Oh, cool. I'm almost done. Easy. You get them, bruh. And so, 
as I was putting it together, I dropped one of the screws or the bolts into the intake plenum. I'm like, so I had to take off the intake plenum, the exhaust manifold, take everything apart. And that, that took two hours, and I put it back on. I'm like, okay, I put it back on. I was almost done. I was about to start the car, and then another bolt dropped in there. I'm like, oh, no. What's supposed to be two hours ended up like eight hours. And after, I'm like, okay, cool. Yeah, it's all right. I get them. I, I, I went to start the car. Click. Huh? <laughs> Click. What? Click. I'm like, I ground the solenoids there. I called my mechanic friend, hey, my car's not starting. He goes, did you buy a remanufactured one? I'm like, yeah. Sometimes they come dead on arrival. Why don't you get a voltmeter, put, put the volt in the solenoid, put it in the ground, and I'm like, I have a dead starter. I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> and why? Because I'm like, ah, oh, easy, I can do it. And then that morning, I woke up early the following morning, got on my knees, worshiped God, got my my coffee, doing my devotions, and hearing and reading about Abraham's servant. Abraham's servant told him, hey, go to the land of my forefathers. I want you to find a wife for Isaac. And the servant, before he goes, he's like, God, please grant me success. Let me know, Lord God, if, if she's the one, I'm going to go to the watering well, and then she's going to come up and offer water for my camels, and I'll say, yeah, shoot, that's good. It's like, when that's good, then I'll know she's the one. And sure enough, the, the, the details of his prayer came, came to pass. And I'm like, oh, Lord, here I was thinking I could just do it. So before I started, <laughs> I prayed. It's like, Lord Jesus, grant me success today. <laughs> Eight hours is a long time. My back hurts. I'm twisting. I'm on top of the engine trying to take care of this. I'm trying to save money, Lord. So please, please, Jesus, go to Napa Auto Parts, got a starter, put it back, and it started. Two hours. It's a silly illustration, but I, it does point how we need to pray first in everything. It does point to how when we come to a place of desperation, that those are the times that God meets us. Unanswered prayers are invitation to draw closer to God. You might be praying fervently, praying for your kids, praying for your family, praying for your health, praying for your finances, but God has, hasn't answered the prayers. Unanswered prayers are an invitation to draw closer to God. It is a grace to keep seeking, to keep asking, to keep knocking, so that God will it'll be given unto us, the door will be opened. Let's go ahead and pray. Father, we thank you for uh, this morning, oh God, and... Um, as your word has been sowed, I pray right now that our hearts would be fertile to receive your word. Your word is very clear, God, that we are but dust. From dust we came, to dust we shall return. Lord, we're mortal beings. All it takes is one car accident. All it takes is one oncology report saying it's cancerous. 
Lord, in our life is so fragile. May we never boast in your presence, oh God. May we never say today or tomorrow, I'll do this, I'll do that, make a profit. But instead, what you ought to say is, if the Lord wills. So Father, I pray right now that there would be a sweet moving of humility amongst your people. Lord, your word promises that when we are proud, you resist us. You oppose those who are proud, oh God, but you would give grace to the humble. So Lord, as we humble ourselves, would you give grace to each one of us? Lord, I pray that, that we would be desperate in our intercession, desperate, Lord God, in believing and contending, Lord, that you would intervene in our situation. Lord, we pray over our families, oh God. We pray for health. Lord, just that Aaron blesses the children of Israel. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious to you. May the Lord's countenance be upon you. So, Father, I pray that for your people today. Lord, if, if you would save us from unnecessary pain, unnecessary tears, oh, Lord God, because we have two options, Lord. Either we humble ourselves or you humble us. So, Lord, I pray, God, that where we're at, Lord, that we would be desperate for your presence Desperate, Lord, for your countenance. Desperate, Lord God, for your hand and your will to be upon our lives. We thank you for this morning. We thank you for uh, your son, Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.